Welcome to Crushing on Callisto 6, a limited run podcast fangirling over a limited run RPG on Project Alpha, plus craft talk that's inspired by the show. I'm Darcy, also known as Slightly Foxed on all the socials in one form or another. This episode is recorded after the release of issue number two, and it may contain spoilers. Like Sweet Baby. Okay, so I, I kind of wanted to talk about the characters that we've seen so far in Callisto 6. Um, I think we're all at this point pretty know how lucky we are to have um, Eric as the GM and, and the players that we have. Um, they Their role-playing is outstanding. Um, it's really good. And... <laughs> And to be super, really superficial, y'all are really attractive. I think I have crushes on all of you. Um, but let's break down some of the characters. I really appreciated that article that uh, Geek and Sundry put out, which gave a little bit of background information. Um, I kind of needed it for some of the people. But it was, it's, um, if you haven't read it, go to Geek and Sundry and, it's, and, um, and take a look at it. So... Um, kind of going down the table or or as I'm thinking about it kind of thing um with the different characters the impressions I have so far um with Oya as far as I'm concerned there's never enough Elisa (laughs) never enough Elisa um I really love that um it reflects her cultural heritage I think that's awesome um, I was also really interested the, I mean, you could tell that she was a spirit, that Oya is a spiritual person, but, um, the article pointed out that she practices Santeria and, um, I read a book not too long ago called The Accidental Santera by Irit Lazo, who is a, also practices Santeria. Um, the book itself, the plot was not very good. But um, it was really interesting into, like, the details of the tradition and um, the intellectual and emotional journey that someone takes in um, being initiated into this tradition, especially if you're working in a very um, scientific environment and, like, the, and negotiating relationships with people who are not practitioners. And, and um, so that part was pretty good. Uh, so I feel like... Um, I at least have a base knowledge, and with this tradition, what I would love to see, and I think, uh, knowing Eliza, she's going to do something with it, um, this tradition has such amazing imagery throughout it and colors. Um, I would really love to see Oya fold in some of the um, Oraisha imagery as she practices her power even though I don't think we've quite figured out what her power is. Um, But she's one of my favorite characters, and I always, like I said, I can never get enough of Elisa. So Cassie, um, she's one of the ones I don't really have a handle on yet, and maybe I'm just, like, trying to look too too deeply for it. Because Cassie may be what we see, um, that angry social social justice person. Um, I know lots of Cassies. I think what, um, what I love to see is I love to see Amy as kind of a tank character. I love to see her, um, 
be strong and big, because I think that's in a lot of us. Um, when in that battle in issue two, there were so many iconic moments that it's like I could see that as a comic book cover. And I, I've been <laughs> I've been begging all over to all over Twitter, please, someone do her lifting the dumpster exactly like the Superman pose in action comic number one. I would love that. Um, she, so she's kind of awesome. And I'm, she's another one that's like, I'm really waiting to see what happens with Cassie and what she does with that power. <sighs> Anton. Um, I didn't like Anton at first, which is kind of weird. Cause I really like Hector a lot. Um, he was kind of a douche, uh, you know, kind of like corporate stooge, which was not great. And to be honest, I was kind of suspecting that he would turn. I wasn't sure that he would stick with the group um, because of his corporate connections. What kind of changed that for me was um, in issue two when he turned around and he made himself kind of as big as possible and screamed, leave us alone. We didn't do anything. Um, that was like a super lizard brain reaction. You know, it's, it was a very primal core protective kind of thing that it, it's not something, because I was, to be honest, I was expecting him to turn around like, hey guys, I will show you what our next steps are. But no, it was like he, he responded in pure, pure primal fear. And so that makes me trust a lot more of his reactions in the future and how he will be a part of that team. And I trust as he's... Um, caring about people. I'm, I'm beginning to trust that a little more and not suspecting him. And I could be all wrong. Hector may turn it around. We never know. Um, Lindy, reading the description. Oh, Bonnie, you are my heart. And you know, I love you so much. And I loved making your purple targ. Um, and I was so thrilled when you wore the earring that I made for you toward the end. Um, reading that description, wow, that's a lot to unpack about um, <laughs> the job that you don't want to talk about and that sort of thing. Um, I like that you're a bit of a, I like that Lindy is, uh, or Hops, I should say, is a bit of a Luddite. I, I really kind of love that. Um, <laughs> what's been really interesting is reading the comments on Twitter about Lindy's accent. Uh, because that was actually a huge barrier for me in issue one. Um, people love it. And it's no doubt that Bonnie is very talented and able to maintain um, a fairly accurate East Coast kind of thing. Um, I have to confess that I don't, a lot of the upper East Coast accents kind of blend a little bit. In my head, um, I married someone who grew up in a small town kind of near Boston. Um, and a lot of my in-laws still have that really thick, uh, kind of that, that Boston a accent. So I'm dassy to, to a lot of people. Um, and I think that's where I kind of got hung up in issue one with the accent. It's kind of a shorthand working class, I think, is what it's meant to be. And it's a whole lot of fun. 
But, um, okay, so California it has, is known for a pretty flat accent. Um, I have been accused of actually gaining an accent since I've moved to Texas. And I think it's just because a few of my vowels have gotten elongated. And I also use y'all and all y'all because I've found that second person plural is extremely useful. Um, but like I said, my husband's from, where my husband's from in Massachusetts, um, he does not have any accent now. And um, he came to Texas to, do, to go to law school when he was an adult. And granted, he and I are both a bit of mockingbirds. We kind of pick up what's going on around us. Um, but he has no trace of an accent, as far as I can tell, except for a couple words when he's tired. Um, I have a friend who's from Scotland, and he doesn't have any accent except for a couple words again. Um, and he came when he was 13, and I know a lot of that was because it was kind of beaten out of him, so there's other circumstances. But, um, and so that's kind of have this, this block of like, if, Lin if Hops has lived in LA this far, why does she still have an accent? And I know that this is super pedantic, and this is like accent explaining, and I'm sorry for my brain. Um, <laughs> So uh, th what I'm telling myself is so that I can enjoy Bonnie's talent is what I'm telling herself is that because she is around her mother and taking care of her mother, the likelihood of her mother still having an accent um, is pretty high. And so she's probably picking that. Uh, it kind of gets reinforced as she hangs out with her mother. Um, you know, we kind of see that with John Barrowman when he gets around his family. It's like the Scottish comes flying back. So, um, and I wonder if she, if Hops can maintain that. Again, this is a stupid thing to get hung up on. And I'm sorry, Bonnie. I'm so sorry for being so dumb about this. But um, it's been something that I've been thinking a lot about. But you know that you're my heart. And I will follow you wherever you go. And I will write whatever canon I can to walk with you, because I love you. So I wanted to spend a little more time talking about Luma and Lacey, uh, namely because they are so familiar to me um, in a very daily way. Um, Sam is making some performance choices that are being inclusive in a great way. Um, their use of body language and eye contact and or lack thereof, um, vocal pacing. I mean, I think we, a lot of us have, have clocked um, someone who is, is on the spectrum somewhere. Um, and I, I recognize it, um, one of my daughter's dearest friends um, is there. Um, I am a mom of what is considered a twice exceptional child. Uh, my daughter is, receives special education services for basically both ends, uh, for being very gifted and also for um, uh, behavior control problems that are connected with her anxiety. Um, 
we're doing great. Uh, we're doing great. We're working really hard. But I recognize that um, managing all this is it's a very difficult thing. And of course, she has her mom, me, who um, I also manage anxiety, uh, depression. And I think we both have kind of like a sensory sensitivity where um, uh, touch, it can be touch, hearing, smells. We both kind of absorb it, taste. We both kind of absorb it um, in a way. And I was trying to explain to someone that it's like, the, yes, when you have sensory sensitivity, um, it means that some when something is bad, it just, cores through your brain but when something is good uh, a sound that you like wow you can hit like little bits of ecstasy it's it's wonderful uh, it's wonderful so you know it's one of those I've oh, it's my gift and my curse but um but watching Luma and Lacey um when Luma pulled out the food <laughs> that she knew Lacey would eat at the uh, banquet in issue one that felt so familiar because I have to do that with my daughter a lot. Um, and it's one of those things, okay, so when you're a parent, everyone's gonna criticize you no matter what you do. Uh, when you're a parent of an exceptional child and a twice exceptional child, um, people have a lot of advice. Uh, most of it doesn't apply. And it's like this constant, weighing of bat weighing battles of like is this worth the energy um do i push her to try something new so that she might like it and fit in a little better or do i recognize that um she's in a situation where um there's a lot of new things to deal with anxiety and uh, a familiar food can be comforting and help her cope a little better. It's, you know, it's this weird balancing act that you really have to do. Um, and admittedly with, and I think with Lace, with uh, Luma, um, first of all, I, I just love the aesthetic, but I would suspect uh, reading her character sheet and how she wants to create light and love and that everything's very creative, um, the way she is sensitive to Lacey makes me think that there's some anxiety that we haven't seen yet and may never see, but, um, that can be both motivating and crippling depending on where you are. And I think, um, I have friends that also have high anxiety. And so we do, we trade a lot. Like there was a time where we were going to go to Sephora, which freaked me out because one of my triggers is pushy salespeople. I just, I, I kind of shut down. Um, so we met at Starbucks right outside and we decided on our safe words and body language and signals so that, um, so that we could enjoy ourselves. And we do that a lot. And so I think it takes that kind of sensitivity to one another to help us manage. And I think that's why, uh, so far Luma and Lacey are my favorites. Um, and I'm really, uh, again, I'm, I'm anxious to see how they'll grow. And I'll be interested to see if like Luma has exhibits some of the anxiety as well. Um, but you know, it, it, one of the things about this group of people, the players, the GM, and the community as well, is the way 
everybody, everybody embraces that it's okay to be vulnerable about our, the, the mental, I hate to say mental illness, the mental wiring that we all manage to function. Um, and when it's bad and when it's good, um, I really appreciate how kind everybody is. It's, it's kind of amazing. And when Eric and Bonnie and Amy, when they share what their ADD looks like to me, that is super helpful. Um, again, it helps me be a better parent because I can see where that kind of comes in with my daughter and myself. And again, it's wow. Um, it's that whole Brene Brown vulnerability thing. It's this is, I think, one of the reasons why role-playing is important because it allows us to create empathy. And you guys are doing a great job. And, and the community with your pillow forts, I love you so much. You guys are amazing. Thank you for what you do. Okay, so on to kind of the more creative aspects. Um, I think something that we will kind of miss from Shield of Tomorrow is the fact that as Ox crew, we got to create characters. Um, and it's hard not to say, okay, well, what would I be in this world? Um, and I have to confess to you, I haven't played an RPG since I was in junior high. Um, my brother helped me roll up uh, a half-elf rogue, I think. And she was like super gorgeous and super charismatic and also super stupid. And I remember being disappointed at the time. And I think now I wish I had the character sheet because I could play the hell out of that. Um, but I wouldn't. It's one of those things where um, we, my family was very conservative and very religious. And so um, well, they kind of fell under that you know, the satanic trap. Uh, we may have played like one dungeon crawl in Traveler, but I think that's about all. So when it would come to rolling up a character, I would have no idea. Um, I would certainly, and of course, you know, I know that this is a different system than D&D, but um, I would really need help doing it. And of course, you know, there's not going to be enough time for all of us to do that. So, um, but it really would be kind of fun to do, um, create some NPCs, uh, I would love to know how. Um, the one that I kind of have in my head <laughs> is um, she would be a corporate scientist. And she would be the kind of corporate scientist who was kind of like uh, blind to all the things going around. She'd be more of like, look at the neato thing that I could do. Um, she would focus on robotics. And she would focus on creating uh, androids that replicated uh animals that became extinct because of the great disaster, um, which would, that would go into a lot of interesting things. It would be kind of like a, I'm kind of thinking like John Hammond of uh, Jurassic Park that kind of like filled with wonder. Um, she would have a companion, uh, a dodo bird that she created um, named Charlie and that was one of the test subjects. And then, and what that would look like would be fun. The name I have going right now is uh, uh, 
Dr. Elizabeth Tuesday was shortened to last, so she would be Dr. Last Tuesday. Um, <laughs> and there's, uh, if you've read the Jasper Ford um, Thursday Next Chronicles, it, it's kind of a nod to that. Um, I would love to, I would love to, to do a character like this. And um, I don't know, Eric's probably not even listening to this, but it's like, if you wanted to make that an NPC, I think that would be awesome. Um, Casey Coleman, if you wanted to toss her into some fan fiction, uh, just tag me, let me know. <laughs> and I'll give you my insights of what I think who she would be. Now, as far as what I'm actually doing, um, I finished the robot body of the the robot that I've been doing. Um, it's going very quickly. I actually started over the the gauge, which is a fancy knitter word for like how tight the stitches are, so you don't see the stuffing. Um, the gauge wasn't right with the yarn I was using before, and I'm using a yarn now that's um, it's sparkling like a lot of different kind of like disco colors, but I think it'll still work. Um, and so I'm kind of looking forward to what it's going to turn into. I think I will definitely, it's a fast knit and it's an easy knit to do while watching because there's not a whole lot of counting and, and any special stitches. So, um, so I will probably have it done long before the series has ended. And, um, that way I can, uh, I can start on, uh, the proposed craft along. We talked about this on Twitter, but I don't think anything was official. And when the Callisto 6 art came up, I didn't really, I didn't really pursue it, but, um, I think our, definitely our, uh, focus is sweet baby because how can you not love sweet baby? I'm going to have to go back and listen to the description again to see if I get it down. It was about that time <laughs> during issue two that my husband comes in the room and says, how long is this thing? And I'm like, you know, I do this every week. Come on, man. And then my daughter comes in and says, Mom, listen to my Papyrus from Undertale accent. I think it's really cool. And I'm like, y'all, this is Mama's time. And so, well, so in other words, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. But you know what? I have a really good life. So there we go. Well, I guess that <laughs> that's it for uh, my thoughts on issue one and two together on the characters. I don't know what next week will be like. I think I'm going to like be focusing on the plot and what their powers and what's going to... I'm just going to have to watch uh, issue three, and I'm really excited. Thank you for... If you've gotten this far, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'll talk with you next week and about whatever it is I'm fangirling about, and we'll still try and figure out what is Callisto 6 anyway.